0: Welcome to Word Today. I am Levi Johnny Griffin, and if you are new here, I want you to know that, listen, everyone has a bias. Everyone. But I need you to identify your bias, your personal bias, check it at the door, uh, and leave it there. Why? Because the only opinion that matters on Word Today is God's. We don't water it down, we don't sugarcoat it, and we don't play nice with others when it comes to the Word of God. It is what it is. I don't change it to make me feel better, and I won't change it to make... You feel better. Listen, today we're going to be talking about the sacred servant survive. What is sacred? Sacred means dedicated to God, connected to God, designed for God's purpose, out living and working for God's purpose. Servant is a person who performs duty. So the sacred servant survives. And we're going to get into a greater detail about Why the sacred servant survives? Why? uh, Why do people that live a life serving others in a righteous way? Why they always land on their feet? It is impossible for a sacred servant to not survive. They will always bounce back. They will always land on their feet. And that's just how it's going to be. And we're going to go into detail about that once we get back on word today. All right. So there is this. This was this is different uh, as far as the format here is not necessarily, you know, exegetical in the sense of just going scripture by scripture. But it's more topical. Uh, obviously, it's that's what it is. It's topical. Uh, the sacred servant survives how to outlast life. And, you know, here the whole purpose is to show you that, hey, the sacred servants. Uh, and those that are sacred servants, they survive. They will live. They will thrive. They don't have to try to beat out the other person. They don't have to try to uh, be smarter than the other person. All they have to do is serve God and be sacred, be connected with God, dedicated to his, pers- uh, his purpose and serve. And uh, we got a couple examples. We're going to talk about King David, which is a great example. We're going to talk about Joseph. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ. So as I said, the sacred is just meaning connected to God, dedicated to God's purpose and serving as a person who performs duties for others, for someone else. And let's see how King David did that, because we'll notice that King David had several jobs. He had a lot of jobs. So let's go to first Samuel 17 and begin to learn about David's jobs. Here we go. Verse 12. Now, David was the son of the Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. The three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the second to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock, at Bethlehem. So what was David's first job? Well, David's first job was hardworking sheep tender. So we'll call him the hardworking sheep tender. Uh, so we know that what did David do? David would go out to Saul. And then he would go back to his father's flock. So he would David would walk, walk however many days or miles it was to get to Saul, the king. Serve the king, and then he says, Hey, I got to get back. He gets leave the king to go back to his daddy's house to honor his father and watch over the flock. And that should, for one, tell us all something. A lot of us will cut the throat of those we love that are close to us to go serve a king because we think that we get we're going to get a better shot at life or maybe favor or get a crumb that falls from the table by being next to the king. But David understood that, Hey, king, it's nice, and I understand you have all the power, but. The Lord tells me I need to honor my mother and father. So he went to make sure he always honored his daddy. Make sure you honor those that love you. Honor your parents. The Bible says honor your father, your mother, honor your family. Don't try to uh, burn bridges with your family just to get close to someone else. Because trust me, God don't like ugly and you can't get blessed uh, doing the wrong thing. Even if God doesn't bless ugly, he's not going to let you thrive in a negative situation if you think you're getting somewhere it's only temporary Um, it's definitely not permanent you want permanent success it has to be in the glory of God and David understood this he did David understood this even being the youngest the baby you think he'd be the most spoiled but while the other three sons are off uh and battle fighting David is going between the battlefield and then back to his father's flock to make sure that the sh- the sheep are tended to. That was his first job. Let's move to verse 17. Then Jesse said to David his son, "Take now for your brothers an ephah of the roasted grain, and then ten loaves, and run to the camp to your brothers. So run to where run to the front lines where your brothers are. Bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand. This is some wisdom here." And look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Notice what daddy Jesse does. Notice what David's dad, the boys his dad, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah's father, David's father. Notice what he did. He said, listen, take this grain, uh, ephah, of of these these nuts and this grain, this, this roasted grain. And 10 loaves, right? Take this roasted grain and eat of this roasted grain and 10 loaves and bring it to your brothers. But listen, I want you to take the cheese, the dairy, take this good stuff up here, take it to the commander of their thousands. Remember, there was commanders of hundreds and there were commanders of thousands. He said, don't bring it to the commander of hundreds. Don't bring it to their immediate boss. Bring it to their boss's boss and make sure that he knows that Jesse their dad, Abinadab's Eliab and Shama's dad is giving this to him. Bring this to uh, the commander of their thousand. Bring it to them. Bring it to him, to their thousand, the thousand commander, and make sure he's blessed. Remember, the Bible says your gift will make room for you, right? It'll put you in front of kings. And Jesse has already made favor for his boys. That's wisdom. Sometimes you want your kids to succeed. You need to kind of grease that door uh, for them. You know, if there's some special mission, uh, the commander of the thousand is going to remember, you know what? Let me use one of Jesse's boys. You Got to use some wisdom there. And he does. So David goes from sheep tender, run into the king, take care of the king's need, run back to his dad, uh, look over the flock. So sheep tender. Then he becomes the lunch lady, the lunch bringer. Uh, the lunch whisperer. <laughs> you know, he he he's now Saul flock, flock Saul dad lunch battlefield dad battlefield, uh, and he's bringing their lunch. So he's and he's doing it faithful. You don't hear David complaining. You don't hear David angry. You don't hear David upset you don't hear david going why am i not on the battlefield i know i'm the youngest but i need to be on the battlefield tell abinadab to come watch these stupid sheep i'm tired of watching these sheep a bear coming i'm fighting bears and tigers and lions and, and and they're out there on the front line with gear on and you know you don't see that it's just yes sir and he gets to the song. yes sir and he gets to his daddy yes sir and he gets to his brothers he is a servant after god's own heart because he's obedient Let's go back to first Samuel 16 and see what uh, we know that David was running from his father's house, from Jesse's house to Saul, to Jesse, to the front line, to Jesse to Saul. Let's back up and see what he was doing at uh, with Saul, with King Saul. Let's go to verse 17 of chapter 16. First Samuel, verse 17. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a man of valor, mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech. Now, mind you, David hadn't killed Goliath yet, but this man is still saying he's a warrior. And you'll find out why a little bit later. One prudent in speech and a handsome man. And the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with your flock. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine and a young goat and sent them to Saul by David, his son. There's that wisdom again. He's he's greasing the wheels here. He's saying, you know what? Listen, the king wants you, but don't come empty handed. Bring him this. Bring him. He loaded a donkey down. Bring him bread. Bring him a jug of wine. Bring him a a young goat. Bring him the best. Now, mind you, meat was scarce there. A young goat was probably that might have been the majority of the riches that Jesse had or. Uh, You know, it it cost a pretty penny, but he said, hey, bring it to the king. Then David came to Saul and attended him and Saul loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David now stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand. And Saul would be refreshed and be well and the evil spirit would depart from him. Remember, Saul sinned against God. So God removed his hand and allowed an evil spirit to uh, torment Saul. And the only thing that will calm it down is David when he will play the harp. And then Saul would feel refreshed. So why is David running to Saul and to Jesse, to the front line? He's running because he's playing the harp for uh, King David. He's playing the harp. And in the process, uh, he's getting to know the king. The king is getting to know him. He's found favor With the king, he's being blessed by the king. He's learning how kingly things go because he's just a fly in the wall uh, when things going down. So he's learning. He's observant. He's a smart boy. But the main thing is he's a servant. He's serving the king. He's serving his father. He's serving his country. He's serving his brothers. So he's a servant. And you'll notice that servants always survive. Servant. He has no attitude. He has no ego. He's just serving. He's a servant. Let's go down to verse 20. So David arose early in the morning and left the flock. With the keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. Now this is this is we're at 17 again. First Samuel 17. So David and let me make a little annotation here for you guys that are reading the notes. So David arose early in the morning and left the flock with the keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. 21. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet. His So he's there to greet his brothers, encourage him. Hey, we're going to kill these Philistines. They're not going to get the best of us. You guys are going to be okay. Uh, Verse 23. And as he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words and David heard them. Verse 31. When the words with David, which David had spoke, were heard, they told them to Saul and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So basically the Philistine, you know, Goliath has come out. Goliath is a Goliath and uh, everyone's afraid. Now, David is not even a warrior. Or so you think. And uh, he's not in battle array. Everyone else is in battle armor. He's just in regular, you know, clothes, shepherd's clothes. And he says he goes to the king and says who he now has a rapport with. Why does he have a rapport with the king? Why does he feel he can just go and talk with the king? Hey, king, what's up? Because he's been serving the king when the king is gets tormented. David is the one that's playing for him. uh, Saul, King Saul, is in love with David. He loves David, thinks he's a great kid. So David has rapport with the king to the point where he can just walk up to the king and encourage the king and tells the the king here, hey, let no man's heart fail on account of of this, of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine and fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he was, he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, and this one being a sacred servant really comes into play. He says this, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. Your servant, Saul, the one that's been serving you, serving the kingdom, was serving his father, watching over the sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. This is why the man called him a warrior, right? Must be your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. And from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, may the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his garment and put a bronze helmet on his head. And he clothed him with armor. David girded up his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. Basically, you putting all of these swords in my hand and armor on me, but I've never used this stuff before. I've never run with this stuff. I've never fought in this. I hadn't tested this. I can't do it. And David took them all. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. This is verse, we skipped ahead to verse 48 to the fighting. 49, and David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it. And struck the Philistine on his forehead and the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. 50. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. So David won the battle. But why did David look? God has God will make things work out for your good. You may not understand why. You're fighting a lion and a bear now, but there's a Goliath in your future that you're going to need to fight. And you're going to need those skills. And we see this here because David didn't start off as a giant slayer, slayer. He started off as a sheep tender. Picking up sheep dung, making sure the sheep are OK out there by himself because his brothers are at, in the war. So he's out there by himself trying to make sure the sheep are OK. Make sure the sheep are doing right. Make sure the sheep are good. And he, he has to, you know kind of envy his brothers out there on the front line they get to be mighty warriors he's just out there looking after the sheep for hours on end and then uh, then after on all on top of that is dangerous a bear comes and now he has grabbed a bear by the fur and he's trying to kill the bear or a lion comes he has to kill the lion he's getting really good with his slingshot and being able to defend the sheep and then on to add insult to injury his daddy doesn't say hey now you can go to the front line he says hey Bring this food to the to your brothers who are the real warriors and bring this to the captain of their thousand. So, so uh, David is doing this. And then Saul says, hey, I'm being tormented by a demon. I need someone to to help me out with this. So then David gets called to play the harp for King Saul. So now David has three jobs. He's the lunch bringer to his brothers. He's the uh, harp player to King Saul. And he's the sheep tender to his father and he's going between all three of these places battle line field king uh, the, the palace back to the sheep dung in the field back to the battle line he's going back and forth back and forth back and forth uh, to a point he's built up a rapport with the king and he doesn't understand why he has to seem like he's in the he's a nobody in the background nobody's paying attention to him nobody gives him respect He's not on the front line nobody's asking to to see what he his thoughts are until one day he walks into his destiny a philistine talks trash and normally he wouldn't even be able to approach the king but since he's been serving the king he has a rapport with them come on somebody look how God is making it work out because a sacred servant will always survive so he has a rapport with them and you think man all those years in this sh- messing with these sheep, He comes to his aid. He tells the king, listen, the the king says, "Nah, man, listen, you're a young boy. Just just go back. Go back. Go. You're all right. He said, listen, king, don't let your heart be troubled by this Philistine. I can I can kill him. I got experience in killing big things. I've killed bears. I've killed lions. I got experience killing, killing giants. And his rapport with the king mixed with his experience, mixed with the recommendation that was given to him. Uh, given the King Saul about him, King Saul allows him to do that. And he uses all of that experience to kill David, to kill Goliath. And we know the story. He kills Goliath. He chops his head off. He takes his sword and he eventually becomes the next king. So why did this all work out for David? Because he was a sacred. He had trust in God and he was a servant to everyone. His brothers, his country, his, his king, his father, and a sacred servant Always survives. We'll see later that Saul, King Saul, turns on him, throws a spear at him. But David survives. Why? Because the sacred servant always survives. We'll see that Saul takes his army and chases after David and his 500 men. But his men survive. David survives. Why? Because the sacred servant always survives. David eventually becomes king. Why? Because the sacred servant, the servant that is after God's heart, that is connected to God, that that is dedicated to his purpose. Romans says, listen. You know, basically, all things work together to the perp- the person that is sacred, to the person that is uh, after God's purpose, to the to the person uh, that is connected to the plan and purpose of God. All things will work together, and we see it clearly here in uh, in First Samuel with David, where everything that he learned, what he, he may have thought he's being held back, and that it was all a setup for his failure, but it was really a setup for his success. And there are a lot of you out there that don't understand why you're in the sheep field. You don't understand why uh, you're, you're out there fighting lions and why you're out there fighting tigers and why you're out there fighting bears. You just can't get you don't comprehend why you're serving your parents and then why you got to go serve your boss then why you got to go serve your siblings and then back to your boss and then back to uh, your sibling and back to uh your boss and then back to your parents and back to this situation back and you don't understand why am i having to serve i'm getting no recognition and and you want to complain but i want to tell you the minute you start complaining you rip away your blessing don't do it don't steal your own blessing just just have a stiff upper lip and continue because The bears that you're fighting, the lions that you're fighting, the tigers that you are fighting, they're not designed to break you. They're designed to build you up, to build your resume up so that someone else can tell the king, listen, I have a warrior that you need to meet. That someone else can say, I know a warrior that is here that can help you. This is a righteous man or a righteous woman, and they can defeat the giant on your behalf. You're building up a rapport with the leaders that you will need to to connect with and to talk to when you want to pitch your own business idea. When you God is making it work out and you don't have to force it, it'll fall into place. You got to look at at Jesus for a second. Jesus was a healer. He went around healing people. That's what that's what he did. He was a healer. He went around healing. In Matthew 18, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick with the fever and he heals her. He was a teacher. Matter of fact, that's one of the things that he said in his defense when they were beating him and attacking him. He says, listen, I taught in your synagogue. Basically, I taught in your churches around you and everyone saw and it was OK. But now you want to kill me for it. He was a preacher. He evangelized. He talked to the be delivered the sermon on the mount. He was a sacred servant. So when they went to kill him and persecute him, they persecuted him. Sure enough, they did. They even killed him. Sure enough, they did. But what happened? He in the third day, he rose with all power. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says this. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So did they beat him? They did. Did they hurt him? Did he have to go through some things? Yes, he did. But he rose with all power. And just like David uh. Things weren't great all the time. Even Jesus said, listen, God, my dad, father, if there's a way to take this cup away from me, please do so. But in the end, God, not my will, but your will be done. Things aren't falling apart, people. They're falling in place. They're falling into place. You can even think about the story of Joseph. Right, Joseph was a property manager. We see it in verse thirty nine of genesis thirty seven going to the Old Testament. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the body of the bodyguard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. so basically Joseph's brothers were jealous of Joseph and they sold him to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites sold him uh to the to uh Midianites who eventually sold him to Potiphar. Well, many nights sold him to Israelites who sold him to Potiphar. So he ended up becoming uh, Potiphar's uh, you know, working for Potiphar. He did such a good job managing Potiphar's property that uh, Potiphar put him in charge of everything. It says Joseph was a good looking fellow though. So Potiphar's wife took a shine into him, tried to sleep with him. He says, no, I'm a sacred servant. I don't do that. So she says he raped her. Potiphar throws him in jail. Back then, they would kill a man for that. But I think Potiphar understood this isn't Joseph's characters. And I got a crazy woman, but I got to honor my wife because that's that's what the right thing to do is. But I'm not going to kill Joseph. I'm gonna just throw him. I'm just throw him into prison. But in prison, something peculiar happens. Some peculiar things happen to Joseph while he's in prison. Listen to this verse 19. Now, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, this is what your slave did to me, he ain't. His anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Look at God already working it out. And he was there in the jail. So he wasn't in any jail. He's in a jail where the king kept his prisoners. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. So he had favor in Potiphar's house. He went to jail. He's having favor in this jail. Verse 22, the chief jailer committed to Joseph charge all the uh, charge of all the prisoners who were in the jail. So now Joseph is running the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. So he was in, responsible for all of the jailers. Uh, Everyone thing that was in jail, the chief jailer for, excuse me, for all the inmates for everything that happened in the jail. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. and Whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. So he went from, uh, the air, uh, to his father's estate, one of the heirs, to uh, a property manager, and now he is an executive jail administrator, overseeing everything that happens in the jail. So at first he served his father, he served uh, his new master once sold into slavery, he served his jailer, and he did it with a great attitude. It says everything he did, the Lord allowed to prosper. So what happened to a sacred servant? Well, remember, a sacred servant will always survive the worst, even the worst situations. You go down to 38 verse 38. Then the Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house. And the Pharaoh makes him over all of the house. Look at this. And according to your command, all my people shall do Homage only in the throne. I will be greater than you. Everybody will honor you. Basically, he's saying Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring. Took off. This is what makes me Pharaoh from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride in his second chariot and they proclaimed before him bow the knee and he set him over all the land of Egypt. So he he was trying. They were gonna. His brothers were gonna murder him, but at the last minute, Judah decided to. He convinced them to sell him into slavery. So now he sold into slavery, working for Potiphar. But the God had bigger plans. He gets accused of rape and goes from being over all of Potiphar's property to being thrown into prison. At that point, most people would have broken. Like God, I'm a servant. What's going on? I went from from in from heir to property manager. Now I'm a prisoner. But God honors him in prison. He becomes the executive jail administrator over everything. He interprets someone's dream. And next thing you know, he's in front of the Pharaoh interpreting his dream. And the Pharaoh says, listen, you've done good. So now I'm going to put you over all of the land. Eventually, Joseph not only saves his brothers, the one same one that sold him into slavery, he saves his father and all of Israel because a famine hit. And he saved them from dying in the famine. So God used Joseph to save every member of his family and become the most powerful man in the world. Israel uh Egypt at this time was how people view America the most powerful nation in the land, in the world. Wow. Why? Because a sacred, someone that honors God, connected to God, servant, someone that serves other people. He served the jailer, the the jailers, the prisoners, uh Potiphar. Potiphar's household, his father, he helped out his brothers, and now he's serving Pharaoh and the people of Egypt and the people of Israel. A servant, a sacred servant will always survive. All all of those examples, just to say this, people, there's nothing you're going through that you won't survive. If you are sacred, connected to God, about God's business, a servant, servant to the people you like. Serving to the people you don't like, serving to your mother, your cousins, your friends, your enemies. You can't pick and choose who you serve. The Bible talks about a good Samaritan. You don't pick who's on the side of the road. You just help them regardless who it is. So you can't be, oh, I'm going to help who I want and not. Jesus says, hey, even evil people do that. Evil people are help people they like. It takes his children, the righteous, to help people they don't like. Be a sacred servant and I can guarantee you, you will out survive life there's nothing that life can throw at you whether it's prison whether it's uh, problems in your marriage problems with your kids problems with your finances there is nothing in life that you cannot survive and make it through if you are a servant of the Almighty God listen I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast make sure to find me on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny Griffin hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcast platforms, Google podcast platforms and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. we believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle it just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right. We live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion and even Christian podcasts like word today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.